Welcome to Encounter. This is a radio show and podcast where Joe Costa, Cole Persio, and I, Adam Prime, seek to encounter Christ, culture, and community. On this week's episode, we take a close look at something called Christian Deconstruction. It is a popular Christian movement that has been heavy on our hearts, and so we wanted to take a close look at it through the lens of the Bible and offer what we think uh, is the truth about this movement. So stay tuned to find out what that truth is. And as always, please like, subscribe, favorite, and leave us a review on any app that you use to listen to this podcast so we can keep moving forward in the right direction. Please join us for this whole episode while we sit down and encounter Christ, culture, and community together. All right. Welcome to Encounter. This is episode 20. So we're pretty excited about that, that God has continued to let us have this ministry. And this week we have a interesting topic. So I don't even know technically what to call it, but I know that I've been upset about it for quite some time. I don't know what to call the title of the episode because deconstructing deconstructionism doesn't sound catchy enough to uh, capture you guys for the next few minutes. Constructing deconstructionism? No, that nope. doesn't work either. Cole had coffee. Yeah, so I'm talking little, now. He's a little hype. <laughs> so um, we each serve in different ministries, Cole, Joe, and I, and we serve in the same ministries, but we lead different ones. And we've come across this movement over the past year uh, multiple times in different ways, either through people talking about it, through major pastors either teaching for it or against it. And um, we've also seen like social media campaigns for it. And I've had a couple friends that I've been close to kind of go a little bit down this uh, route and I've had to talk to them. And uh, so that is why we're bringing it up because it has kind of touched home. I, I don't want this to seem like when we're talking about I don't want to say that we're setting up straw men and taking them down, like creating an argument, creating like a fictional enemy. This is something that's real and it's bad theology and it's infecting the church around us and not our church in terms of our leadership, but in terms of the people in it, a couple of them have been touched by this and we want to make sure that we talk about it thoroughly and, and analyze it from a biblical perspective and see where it goes. So tonight we have a few... Uh, different avenues to go down. And and one of them is we're going to take some quotes from people who are what they call deconstructionists and and talk about them and, and hold them up to the Bible and see if they ring true and what we think is true about them, what we think isn't. And, you know, when it comes to what Paul did a few times in, in well, specifically in first Corinthians, uh, when there were people that were corrupting good theology and solid doctrine he called them out by name, which I'm not 100% willing to do yet for the people that I'm thinking of. Um, but he called them out by name, said what, the, what was wrong with their theology, and excommunicated them from the church. So it is our responsibility to recognize theology that is permeating the church in a bad way and to call it out. And it's not always comfortable, and confrontation normally isn't unless you're like a UFC fighter or something. Uh, but it is worth doing, and we actually are you know, called to call out bad doctrine when it's there. So that's what we're doing tonight. Yeah, and it's not even just that he called out people by name in Corinthians, but everyone, pretty much every one of his letters, that's what they were. They were just corrections, you know? Mm -hmm. um, 
or you know, or encouragement to individuals like Timothy and stuff like that. But they're just correcting, like even to the church in Galatia, like all they wanted to do was just add circumcision to salvation as a need to, you know, a need to do to, to be saved. And he was like, you're, you're, you're corrupting the whole entire gospel of grace if you do that. So, and that's, you know, now we have the gospel, like now, now we have the book of Galatians. So that's a lot of what his ministry was. Yeah. It was correcting and admonishing. So it's not outside the realm of things that we need to be doing. Yeah. I just, I'm careful as a Christian to not become an antagonist to other Christians oh, yeah, when, absolutely. It's not, when yeah. it gets in the way of the gospel. So I just want to preface that when we're sitting here tonight, we're not just picking things to pick on in other people's theology when it comes threatening to things that really affect doctrines like salvation and biblical inerrancy, it is worth fighting over, right. fighting for. Absolutely. And so that's what we're bringing up tonight. So to be clear, this movement, and this movement bleeds into other movements, and this movement is something that's not restricted only to Christianity, but the movement is called deconstructionism. And for our purposes, we're looking at Christian deconstructionism. So I'm going to read a quote, if that's okay, uh, from a book written on the emerging church movement and its role in the deconstructing of the modern church. So this is what they determine, um, they meaning the deconstructionists, is uh, the movement that they are a part of. Um, so I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, and so I want to start with this. It says, the emerging church movement is a creative entrepreneurial religious movement that strikes or strives to achieve social legitimacy and spiritual vitality by actively disassociating its roots from conservative evangelical Christianity and deconstructing contemporary expressions of Christianity. They see themselves as overturning outdated interpretations of the Bible, transforming hierarchical religious institutions and reorienting Christianity outside the walls of church buildings and toward working toward serving others in the real world. So that is the overall gist of this, right? Yeah, and even within that, there's just so many red flags immediately. Like, first of all, I know they, they never define... Can you read it one more time? The whole thing? Yep, and I'm going to stop you. Where? All right, do you want to do it in Spanish this time? Please. No, <laughs> no, just do it regular. <laughs> um, all right, so um, it is a creative entrepreneurial religious movement that strives to achieve social legitimacy and spiritual vitality by actively disassociating its roots from conservative evangelical Christianity. And so, de- what, what is that? What does that even mean? Like there, you have to be able to define, there's too many things in there that aren't defined. Yeah. When you just say that, what is, what is conservative evangelical? What, how do they word it? Even, uh, conservative evangelical Christianity. What, whoever's writing that, what are they implying? What what did I mean? Like, what is the impl- that's implying that that is in and of itself a I mean, you know, because you have there's different types of churches that are conservative even just, and that disagree on certain things. So what you can't just broad brush that. The what does entire, that even mean? Yeah. yeah. What is that? You know, um, that's the issue right there. Yeah. Like, and so the evangelical movement and that'd be tough to define because I think evangelical the idea is going out and spreading the good news, evangelizing. Right, yeah, I mean, there's the conser- there's conservative evangelicals that are Pentecostal. There's conservative evangelicals that are Baptist. There's conservative evangelicals that are cessationists. There's, con- you know, there's like, there's so many different things that. What does that mean? You know, and they would have to yeah. define that, but they don't. So, yeah, and I know because I know, I've read you know some literature and I know what they're thinking of. And, oh, I know and, what they're thinking. And the next, but, I know, I know. But, the, but that's my point: is that they just say it for those that really don't necessarily know what they're thinking. And they're boxing. They're, they're creating a box. 
Yeah. Well, you know, what would be the other word do you think they would use to describe conservative evangelical? What would be another adjective before evangelical? White. Yeah. So in the next, like, four sentences down, the word white is used constantly. Right. So white evangelical church is, syn- uh, is synonymous to them to conservative evangelical church. So those are the words, the kind of buzzwords they throw out there, right? And so, right, and even that. So what does that? So what does that necessarily mean? So what if there's an all? What if there's an all black church with the same conservative evangelical beliefs as a white church? Mm-hmm. Does that change anything, or is that? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I I would, I, I don't know. I, that's a more of a question. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, man. Okay. It's, it's, so the problem with this is it's really hard to defend because it's the the argument so vague, it's ambiguous, so vague. Right, that's, so, that's the point, and yeah. that's a problem that I'm seeing with too with some of the social media accounts that we've been looking at in their statements is that when people are questioning them and calling them out on certain parts of this ideology, they're saying no, 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 that's not what I meant. What I meant was, and they're saying things that are outside of the definition that's put forward here, but because the definition is so vague, they can kind of make it whatever they want. So certain right. deconstructionists throw the Bible literally out the window. So they they say that the the uh, quote that I had for later um, is that deconstruction is a theory of textual criticism that denies any single correct meaning or interpretation of passage. So they could deny objective truth completely, which means that there is no point in studying the Bible because there's no truth that we can actually know and then apply. So there's that deconstructionist, and then there's the one who says, well. We can try our best, and we can come to find truth, but that through that truth is only through the cultural lens, and it might not be so. It's still subjective, but they still use the Bible, you know. So there's different layers, and so you can talk to certain people, uh, certain people that call themselves Christians, and they do take certain parts of the Bible and don't, and some throw it out altogether, and they all call themselves the same thing. So it's difficult to even have a conversation because they don't presuppose any of the same beliefs, you know. Right, so you can't say deconstructionists think this because not all of them do. Yeah, whatever this is, right? So you can point to the literature, but that's exactly but how that's many ex- of them have really read the literature. You know, read their read the book. I'm trying to find the guy's name that like wrote the book, but because because isn't it just like a set process, not really a set beliefs? It's just do this, deconstruct the Bible and your beliefs and everything. Not actually, these are what we believe in. Where most churches and everything say, hey, this is our statement of faith. Mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a, so many different thoughts I have on this. I don't fully know how to even tackle this without going into like a three-hour dissertation on, you know, objective and subjective truth. But it really comes down to – it really comes down to whether or not – I know this is sound like we're a broken record, but I'm okay with being a broken record on this. Oh, yeah. Is the Bible yeah. true or not? I mean, exactly. It, and if the if you're going to take out parts of the Bible, if you're going to take out Second Timothy three fifteen, that um, all of Scripture is profitable for teaching and reproof, you're going to take that out. Then I really, I, they're probably right. If you start changing the Bible, you can be right about literally anything. Slavery. I mean, there's there's yeah. an endless amount of horrible things you can use the Bible to justify if you don't have good uh, a solid foundation and study of the Bible. Right, and, and that's and that's. Because of its authority, because of its position over everything that we do and our whole entire life, that is why that has been the number one thing attacked historically. You know, it, it, it started with Lucifer, you know, saying in the garden, mm-hmm. did God really say what he said? Amen. And, and that's, and you know, all councils in Jerusalem, councils in Nicaea, all these things. I just remember like, does, is it, does it really say what it says? And that's because if it does, 
then it means something. But if it doesn't, then we can start living, you know, we can justify our, our ways of, you know, our ways of living. And that's what it's always going to be. And the heart of it comes from people who grow up in the church and they believe it's essential message. They believe in the gospel, at least for the two people that I'm thinking of specifically that believe in this um, ideology. And then they see a world that they want to rectify um, to their religion. And instead of making the, the world that they see line up with the Bible, they're making the Bible line up with the world they see. Exactly. And I mean, like we said, it's, it's Romans 12. Yeah. Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So they're yeah. transforming to the world and yeah, conforming conf- to the world. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. And they're renewing your mind every three years. So the idea is, in, in the, the book, is every three years you're supposed to deconstruct, I'm sorry, construct, deconstruct, and reconstruct. Every, um, uh, so a few times a decade, you're supposed to reevaluate everything you know about everything. And, and now what I would imagine the logic behind that back to Romans 12, two again, is because the world is changing pre- pretty drastically every three years, mm. right? Well, I mean, why else? Because well, that's, that's an arbitrary number. Why yeah. else would you pick three years? So it would have to be because the world's changing pretty drastically every three years. So you have to adjust your theology every so three years. Every three years, you adjust, yeah, exactly. Which, <laughs> that makes no, by the time, this goes back to velocitizing, velociraptorizing that you like to call it. Yeah. Yeah. This goes, by the time, 75 years from now, it would look like a completely different faith. It wouldn't. It would not even. It would just constantly be exponentially changing every every three years. Yeah, and I, I'm just struggling to to. Re, I'm really struggling to like understand the 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 thought process of how the the interpretations of the Bible are so completely subjective when so many New Testament writers quoted the Old Testament with authority. And so my goal as a as a biblical studier is to find out what he was saying to that group at that time, finding out the principle behind it, finding out the application to that specific culture, and applying it to our specific culture. And I believe that a lot of times when we read the Bible, we throw out the principle and the application when we're trying to make it justified to the world today. So I believe there's a principle. Men and women have different roles in the church, in the home. Yeah. Now, and that has... that. You're saying like some some verses are are awkward to talk about. They are. That has only, and this is cause this is a prime example of that. <laughs> no pun intended. That has only been awkward in the past, however many years. So in and of itself, that verse is not inherently awkward. No, it's I, now awkward now that we're trying to completely get rid of mm-hmm. not only gender roles but gender. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So because now it makes it awkward, yeah. right? So the world has changed. And now there's two things that can happen. We can either change the Bible to fit the world, or we cannot change and the world changes around us. Do not conform yeah. to the world. So that and that's a prime example of what's going on. Yeah. I mean I'm when i when I say awkward, I mean it's definitely countercultural now. Right? Correct. Right. Then it wasn't. Then it was actually when people when he when he Well tells, then it was counterculture the other way. It's just, because women weren't allowed in the church at all. Women weren't, yeah. And now society's around and learn, learn, right? But if you don't, if you don't know that Christianity just looks like this misogynistic, you know, like this this horrific religion. But if you don't know about the culture around it, and it, you know, I, I was going to say that must, but yeah, no, it really changed the game for for women. I mean, God chose the most important thing in the history of the world to be revealed to to women: the resurrection. You know, and it, so Christianity really changed everything for women. But yeah. 
I agree. If you don't know that, it can be painted the other way. Yeah. And if we want to take a couple minutes, I'm going to read some. Now, if you're a listener, I guess you would be if I'm talking to you. Um, <laughs> try to think through these things on your own as well and try to think of some verses that might pop into your head. So like Joe and Cole have their, their phone up trying to look up. Um, these verses as well. I have a few written down because I've been thinking about them for a while because they made me super angry the first time I heard them. Um, so I've been thinking about them ever since. And all right. So these are uh, on a social media account that is – they call themselves deconstructionists. And there are 20-something plus thousand followers. And they um, – you know, when when someone posted this, usually like one person disagrees with it and then like hundreds of comments that are agreeing. So that's when I started to realize that this is a bigger thing than, than we thought it would be um, because I, I just – I have such – and I'm, I'm, I'll say this, and I, I think people who would come to our church would agree with the same thing. I have a very healthy church. So a lot of times when people are arguing about things that are wrong with the church, I'm so confused because I didn't realize that other churches had these big problems. So I think I want to explain that distinction between I believe – and we'll, we'll see this in, the, in the, the comments, that there is a purpose in deconstructing the church today and the wrong things that it's doing in the same way Paul did. I do not believe in deconstructing biblical doctrine ever. I believe that you should read the Bible and see if the Bible lines up with what you've grown to know as biblical doctrine. Systematically. Systematically. In context. In context. In cultural context. Right. In historical, historical context, context. Right, exactly. I mean, there, it's a it's a lot of work. Non-contemporary context, and that I believe in deconstructing um, uh, the the looking at the Bible, looking at the modern church. Are we doing things well? Because um, we may have grown up in a, in a, in our church today where um, things are more political in church they should be, and I believe as Christians we should work to make sure it's gospel oriented and not political oriented. Things like that matter. But yeah, I think a, I think churches should be constantly reevaluating their ministries. You know, are we doing this to the best of our – should we even be doing this ministry? Should we – you know, things like that. That The the church as a, as a building and function, like that should be constantly be evaluated. Mm-hmm. So I agree. Yeah. And so when we're reading these, I, I want to just make sure we're on that same page where there are certain criticisms of the church I, that I agree with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there are some about the Bible that are horrible. Okay, so for, here's the first one. So get ready. We've got a lot of buzzwords. Strap in. <laughs> So this is this is the this is the quote. So are we going to talk about the link between racism, capitalism, and oppression, or do we still think God was a capitalist and to critique it is to become a heretic? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> so like when do you just leave a question out there like that? It's like what um, what do you ask like what do you want to you know what I mean? I'm I'm just gonna leave this out here. Yeah, people say that. Yeah. What are you looking for? So I guess there's a, there's a statement in there that racism, capitalism, and oppression are are the same are linked. There's a statement, even though it's a question. Oh and yeah. And then yeah, then the next statement is why? Well, like this is a question. Why is it heretical to question capitalism? Now, there's so much. <laughs> um, all right, let's find truths in this. I don't believe. That capitalism is the is the the cure to the world's ills. Correct. Yeah. I don't know that anyone who believes. I don't know anyone who believes that. I I don't know about you guys. I don't know anybody any Christian I know that capitalism is equal to 
God's kingdom salvation. Yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, to critique it would become a heretic. Okay. Um, I believe that there have been racist capitalists that have oppressed people. Agreed. So I don't know what to do with this. Exactly. That's the whole point of it. All, all that is is a, a seed of discord now planted in the minds of people reading it. Mm-hmm. Like, I agree with this statement, so then I must be against the church because I agree with that. And that's the point with all these accounts. It's like, where is – you know, you would, you would think as a believer – this person claims to be a believer. You would think as a believer for every one post you would put about like, oh, maybe we – you know, have we thought this through? Like, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. There would be a million of great things that the church is doing that has historically done for the world. Yeah, because I mean, we can sit here all day and just why are we bashing just why are we just bashing one? Like we can sit here and do the, the you know the, astros, the uh, monstrosities that like every religion has done, mm-hmm. and it's like so what what is the what is the end goal? What that's is the end goal? That, that's what drives me nuts is that like what is the end goal? This sounds like someone who doesn't like capitalism, and Christians have gotten mad at him for talking about it, and this is them like reacting. That's what that sounds like to me, where that's coming that's from. What, yeah, it's all feeling. It's, yeah, it's feeling-based, yeah. So, I mean, I have uh, dozens of Christian friends that I have no idea whether they are diehard capitalists or socialists. Now, if you want to have a conversation about what I think the best system is, we can. But that's not what, the, that's not what this is about. This, I, no one in this post is trying to figure out the, the nuances between the systems and which one works best. I mean, if you want to read a history book and you'll come to a, a, a quick solution. Um, but, all right, next one. Ready? You yeah. ready, Joe? Mm-hmm. You ready, Cole? Yeah. All right. Because you're to blame for this one. Oh. I think we need to reclaim the word biblical from men who are steeped in Western, patriarchal, and modernist culture. So... If I'm going to just try to explain that statement more, it would be that people who are Western men and are white use the word biblical to justify things that aren't biblical and they want to fight back for the word biblical. What do you think? I need you to say it again. I think I'm we not going to lie because yeah, I, was, I, I didn't really listen to a lot of what you just said because I was thinking about the last one still. <laughs> no, we I should. moved on too quickly. Yeah, yeah, because I was I was thinking we should like put a, a verse. Yeah. Do you before. have one? Yeah, I mean just, so read the last one again. Sorry. So are we gonna talk about the link between racism, capitalism, and oppression, or do we think that God was a capitalist and critique it is to become a heretic? So I one hundred percent agree that no that no form of you know, whether it's capitalism or socialism or Marxism, nothing none of that's gonna bring salvation, none of that's the end all mm-hmm. be all. However, Paul makes it very clear that those who Romans thirteen. Nope. That those who don't work don't eat. Mm. And, and you know, and it's so, so let me read. Who don't work don't eat. Yeah. Yes. Let me read Second Thessalonians. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle 
and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. It says it right there. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I just think well, of a Bible verse behind everything. Like, and we talked about this last week with uh, Dr. Ken, but the only time we had a perfect government was in Genesis 1. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. theocracy, right? Yeah, theocracy. Yeah. It was God and then us. Yeah. And then when that divide was broken, we have a bunch of mediocre systems mm-hmm. that are trying to make up that gap. Samuel asked for it not to happen. I mean, and then ever since then, there have been a lot of crappy kings, a lot of crappy governments, and right now we have a lot of examples of how socialism has hurt and killed millions of people, and we have a lot of examples of the way that capitalism, done poorly, has hurt a ton of people right. and oppressed a ton of people. So, And we're never but, addressing the real issue, which is just sin. Yeah, sin I was going to say just heart. further people, in the kingdom of God. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, any system with people in it is going to be a problem eventually. Yeah. Well, um, sinful people, sorry, which we all are. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, next one. Moving on. Yeah. Okay. So the listeners have heard this four times already. So <laughs> they're ready. I was not a listener, sorry. Right. <laughs> I think we need to reclaim the word biblical from men who are s- steeped in Western, patriarchal, and modernist culture. So the the idea behind this is that there are men in the church today that are saying biblical to justify political means. And I think this is true sometimes. I think that that happens. They're saying biblical to justify like political this is, means. This is a biblical yes. thing. So they're saying really that like political. Jesus voted Republican. Yeah. And then they're saying, you know, saying they're saying like abortion verses and stuff. And although, uh, again, I don't want to get too far into the political class either way. Uh, I'm sure that you could find scriptures to, to support either party. Um, Right, I, and you, you can find scriptures that support slavery. So you can find scriptures that support either either party. And I think that a lot of times, um, evangelicals in the past twenty years have just made fl- flat out statements that if you're if you're not a Republican, you're not a real Christian. And or, again, I've heard it the other way too. So like, you're you, not helping everybody. So if you're not a liberal, then you're not a Christian. Like, I, it can go both ways. Yeah, and um, I don't. And this is why I believe that we shouldn't. Bring that subscribe, to the pulpit. Subscribe to a party, yeah. Because when you subscribe to a party or when you subscribe to a politician, as a believer, you're subscribing to everything that that person believes. And even if you are not, it looks like that. Mm. It, it, You know? So they may have some policies that are good, both sides, mm-hmm. you know, up front or behind the scenes or whatever, but they're also doing a lot of wrong. And that's why I think we shouldn't, we shouldn't subscribe to anybody except for Christ. Yeah, or even are you talking about could you have conversations with people about, you know, this is why I voted and how, or leave that completely out and never talk about politics? I think you gotta read your audience. Okay. If you're talking to people that can't see past what you're saying and you say, I voted for this person and they can't see past that, now all they're gonna see, they're gonna just gonna mm-hmm. put you in a box like I don't know, let's just say white evangelical. Like, you know, if they're only you know <laughs> something vague like that. Like, um, if they're just gonna put you in a box like that, then I would just, I would just not talk about it altogether. They don't. It, that's your privacy. And they don't need to know. But if you just have a somebody on the opposite side is is what you may be on, and they're open minded, and they just want to create a forum to talk, um, you know, almost like a podcast, you know, whatever. But like, then yeah, well, absolutely, you should be able to talk about it. And like, well, here's why, and it shouldn't 
in at the end of the day, we should be together in unity and be loving either way. But just be able to have a discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you got to be wise about who you're talking to. Yeah, I think that it's gotten more complicated over the past decade, in my opinion. Voting, I think. This is just this is, this is here we go canceled. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think Trump confused a lot of people because his character oh, was terrible. Yeah. His his character's terrible, and I don't think there's anybody who can argue with that, right? Like he, right, and that's uh, what I'm saying. People, people, I mean, he's yeah. Uh, you, the, the, throughout his uh, the past fifty years, the model Republican candidate has modeled a family man. That's what they based their candidacy off of, right? Yeah. So you yeah. have Bush and and even I mean. Even Obama on the other side, yeah. uh, but Bush and uh, what's his name, um, the Mormon, about like the a, Mormon just, guy. You're just talking so about like saying, yeah, a, a, just a cordial, just like a cordial, gen, genuine, yeah, like, but like nice human a, being. But like, that's, yeah, that, yeah, but that's how they've they've put they've always chosen someone that they thought represented Christianity. And it was like a, a nuclear family, and they, they kind of posted them up. And then Trump comes along, and he doesn't recommend uh, represent those values, but he represents, you know, he's anti-abortion, he's anti, you know, certain right. movements, and that's and what so I'm saying. So, so, be, so it's the policies got, behind the scene, yeah, maybe you agree with, yeah, but the show that you're putting on that couldn't look anything like that couldn't look any less Christian than the the the, the, the that's why you know how many Democrats I've heard like talk about like I can't understand how Christians are voting for Trump. Mm-hmm. Because they're not they're not looking behind the scenes about all the policies. They're just looking at like how he presents himself and just like the everything that goes with being you know yeah who he was and the character that he presented. And like you said, it's not a family man. It's not like and just that's what that's where the confusion came from. And but I'm saying these conversations necessarily weren't as sticky in the past because it it made it seem as if it was you didn't have to choose between which porta potty to use. In the past it was like, okay, you have, you know, this ideal bathroom. <laughs> now you had like you had this guy that's a family man, his values represent yeah. align with your values and he has good policies. Yeah. That and that was at least how it was veiled and presented right. and packaged. Right. And now it's it, it changed to uh, here's a really stinky looking package that might actually do some good for, you know, some people. And I think that's where it broke down, in my opinion. Um, yeah, and do. it doesn't even, yeah, it's, it's very confusing. <laughs> um, all right, next one. We've forgotten the Christian faith is birthed from voices of the oppressed and not the oppression of the empire. So Christian faith was birthed from the oppressed, not the oppressors. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jesus went and like, Talk to all the outcasts of society while he was here. Like he Correct. sought out the lepers, he sought out the widows, he sought out the orphans. Correct. The people. Now who this were, now this person would imply that in any any given church in America, there's not sick. There's not orphans. sick. There's not widows. There's not orphans. Mm-hmm. And there's all that in all the churches. So like again, what are you? What are you implying with this? And it's easy to have an account like this, and it's easy to do something like this when just no one. You. Yeah, we, your post is there, mm-hmm. and then it's just like, and then that's it. And then maybe who's going to read six hundred comments? You know what I mean? Like, so if there is somebody yeah. who opposes it in the comments, that the post still stands where it's at, and it's just like well, that. And like, then you have a bunch of people that all agree with you in the comments, and when one person does comment, they jump on them. And so, who wants to comment and get like attacked get, like, by the other yeah, six hundred people? That yeah, well, really. He, also, who even has the time to be like constantly be checking? Like, did I get a response yet? You know, and like yeah. who? Like, so it's like you, you know, you set yourself up for this like. Win-win. Like, well, I don't know if I, I agree with the terminology is birthed from. Because, I mean, and 
Well, yeah, no, because if you're saying birth form, you got to go back to ancient Israel. You got to go back to to the to the Jewish history. I, I, I guess he's thinking of geological. No, no, no. So was it the, the comment was that it's Christianity, or because salvation is birth from just man falling and yeah. needing salvation? This is Christianity, the Christian faith. Okay. So I guess that would imply Jesus because of Christ, Christian. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, the, the, what you're saying, Christian salvation. faith is birth from the Christian faith is a Jewish faith. It's the Jewish faith fulfilled. Yeah. That's all it is. So, And there was a line of kings that got to Jesus. Right. I mean, look at Solomon. He was not oppressed. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it, again, it, you know. It, I, I think what they're looking for is the idea that Jesus, like, went, went to the oppressed to start spreading the gospel. Which is true. True. He also spoke to Nicodemus. He also... Yeah, I was going to say, know, does, this, does this imply that it's not for people who aren't oppressed? Because salvation is for all. Mm-hmm. Not just the oppressed. It's for, for everybody. And I don't like the, again, this is, we could pick apart all the words. I don't like the word oppressed. I would say almost persecuted. And because we've talked about this a lot at Bible study where uh, Joe's favorite dude, what's his name? Say it. You won't. What's your favorite historical figure to reference? Oh, Constantine? Yeah, Constantine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he made Christianity mainstream and made, yeah, it, made not, it mainstream, right. And not oppressed. Oppressed. Right. So what made Christianity flourish was the fact that. And it was birthed from voices who were persecuted, the disciples, the, the apostles, Jesus. Right, and persecuted, persecuted does and not, is not oppressed. That no. does not mean – that's not the same thing. And, and when you conflate those two things, that's when, the, that's when the issue comes. So if I were to correct this, and you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, we've forgotten that the Christian church flourished at its height when it was birthed from voices who were persecuted under the oppression of the empire. Correct. Under the oppression of the empire. I mean, I guess empire or like government or persecuted by anybody, really. I think it's like a square and a rectangle. You can call persecution oppression, but you can't call oppression persecution. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. That was so nice. I'm going to say it twice. Yeah. You can just call persecution. We in Oregon. Yeah. I was just thinking <laughs> that. <laughs> you can call persecution. But I, now I can't remember what I said. You can call Preach, Pastor Joe. persecution oppression, but you can't call oppression persecution. Yeah. When somebody's being persecuted, they're definitely being oppressed. But just because you're being oppressed does not mean you're being persecuted. Because for your yeah, per, yeah persecuted for your yeah for your right. faith. That's... Yeah, yeah, and um, and I think the the verse that's going to underline this one and the next one is Luke four eighteen. Mm-hmm. So, Luke four eighteen, and I just have the NIV pulled up because I just uh, I looked it up quickly. So it's the nearly inspired version. Um, Brian's listening. Uh, it says, and this is Luke quoting. No, it says Jesus. <laughs> Luke is writing. Jesus is quoting Isaiah forty. I don't, the, I don't know exactly where it's from um, in Isaiah, but Isaiah, I know it's Isaiah. Isaiah forty nine. Forty nine. I know it's forty. So uh, four eighteen says, "The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind." To set the oppressed free. So, go ahead. No, I'm just, uh, we talked about this a little bit beforehand. Just like free from from what? Like free from your spiritual bondage. Yeah, and, and that's, that's the main thing that's a, a distinguisher between these two. So, if we look at this one and, and, and the next one, and I'll, I'll explain why that verse is so important. Uh, the next one says, fighting oppression shouldn't be a liberal value. It should be a church value. It should be a human value. I agree if we're talking about 
oppression of sin. I disagree if we're talking about oppression of physical oppression. So when right. we're huh yeah. So when I'm looking at Luke four eighteen, um, when he is speaking, he is fulfilling the prophecy of a savior. This savior, although they thought would be a king, did not come in as a physical king. He came in as a spiritual king who is going to free everyone from their sins. So this verse would make a lot of sense to be quoted if Jesus was sitting on a throne in, uh, I don't know, Jerusalem, and he was commanding armies to go lay waste to all of the people um, that were against him. But that is not how Jesus came. He came lowly in a manger because he did not come for any physical freedom. That's not why he came. And he proclaims that many times. He came to set captives free of sin. And all of these examples here, see, uh, he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And we could go into a word study on the poor from the Sermon on the Mount. What does that mean? Poor in spirit? <laughs> Sounds a lot more like poor in spirit than poor with money. Um, freedom for prisoners. If we're talking about physical prisoners, how many of the apostles and disciples died in prison? Every, um, every single one. Yeah, John, John was exiled. John the Baptist was beheaded, beheaded. from prison. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He didn't come to free him. Right. You know, he was the one that proclaimed the way of the Lord, and he, got, he died a horrible way. Um, recovery of sight for the blind. What kind of recovery did Paul get? Mm -hmm. he, got, oh, yeah. he got to see more clearly. Right? Yeah. The, all the people that, he, that Jesus healed, and this is a, a pet peeve of mine when people start quoting miracles that Jesus did and start saying that the miracles were for the physical part alone. He always yeah. uses physical healings in order to demonstrate how he is healing them in their souls. Yeah, the, right. the, the and, paraplegic. Like, yeah. He talks what about, is it like, easier for I me can, to say? I can do both. Yeah. I'll, I'll, so I, that want, you I, want, yeah. I want his sins to be forgiven, but just so that you around here believe, I'll also heal him physically. So yeah. that way you can, you can see it. Like, what does he say? Rise and walk. Mm -hmm. Your sins are forgiven you. Yeah. There is, and maybe there's a couple that I have to, to, to dig deep into, but I have never, I just read through the New Testament this, this past few months. I didn't see any miracles that were solely for the purpose of helping someone physically. It was always for the advancement of his kingdom spiritually. Always. So also when you when you when you loop it in with just when you say oppressed like Jesus Jesus came for the oppressed like there's there's levels to oppression what are we talking about there's like like we're talking about physical oppression there's there's oppression financial oppression there's some and depending on which one you use like every everyone that knew Jesus became more poor mm. they gave up their livelihoods they were fishermen they were like well, right, a little maybe a little less than well off but then they were like living poor. Yeah, and so that is the the verse that's underlining, and and I I know this because said social media accounts have responded to people critiquing them on those posts with this verse, and say they finish it with Jesus is a Marxist, and they use this quote to, to justify that. Because now the the another argument that kind of surrounds this is, yes, Jesus did define some oppressed. J James did um, talked about the orphans and the widows. Yeah, attend yeah, to that. Yeah. We have commands like those are pretty simple. I know that yeah. we're supposed to do that. All of that, I believe, is the greater picture of spreading the gospel. Like Pastor Vin said a couple of weeks ago in his sermon, is I think he was quoting James when he said, "Like if if someone is someone is thirsty and you have a cup of water and you give them the gospel, not the cup of water, they're not going to hear you." Correct. Give them the cup of water first. So I, I'm not against helping people who are oppressed, but to say that that's the reason Jesus came makes you a liar. Yeah, Jesus, uh, in words, uh, he like met the physical needs of somebody to then meet the spiritual needs. 
vice versa. Would, yeah. That that works. Like find seeking out the person who needed physical help the most to show that nobody is uh unable to be met. Yeah. Like physically and spiritually. Yeah, and you think about everything about his life, Jesus' life and the apostles after him. Like Jesus was oppressed the entire time. He was persecuted to death. Mm-hmm. I I know that's a very specific mission, but you would think if he's the the model for how we're supposed to move forward. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know how we could just uh, Jesus could have easily set himself taken himself off the cross when he was being taunted. He could have easily uh, when he was in the desert the for forty days. He you know, called down the angels when Satan was tempting him. And so I'm thinking, what? Jesus, can you guys back off? Like I don't, I'm not oppressed. Yeah. No, he submitted himself specifically to persecution. All of the the people that were like Peter, crucified upside down, didn't complain mm-hmm. about government problems. He just kept proclaiming the gospel until he was oppressed to death. And now that, but what about Paul? Paul's like, I know you guys see this as a bad thing, but my change has got me to witness to Roman officials. Yeah. You know, and that's, mm. it, you know, they weren't oppressed, and he was telling them the good news. Yeah. And I, again, I I don't think, it makes it sound like we're against helping people who are oppressed. And that is oh, no, not absolutely at all not. what we believe. I'm just saying, don't leave a post out there like this to plant, to plant seeds, seeds of doubt and discord. Yeah. Because a, a couple things can be true at the same time. Jesus didn't come to save the physical world. He came for the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. Um, as so clear. And if you don't right. think that, you don't know the Bible. Right. It's as clear as that. And also, he has called us to help the oppressed. Correct. And also, he has promised us that I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That's a promise. Mm. In this world you will have trouble. It's That's not what he came to free us from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's like the quote is, fighting oppression shouldn't be a liberal value. Okay. It should be a church value. Okay. <laughs> it should be a human value. Okay, don't know what that means because they're just talking about sinners. Because humans are. So, yes, we should fight for the oppressed. Um, as our primary goal, we should fight for the people who are oppressed by sin. As a secondary goal, we should feed them. And help the oppressed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that is that wrong? Right. I, all right. Next one. No, this is my favorite one. You ready? Because this one's I'm so easy to like, make them feel silly that it's it's great. Christians semicolon. No, it's a colon. <laughs> Ori- <laughs> Run, it <back. laughs> Run it back. Christians original sin means that we've inherited sin nature from Adam. Also, Christians in all caps. Well, I didn't enslave anyone. <laughs> you're, you're, you're peaking a little bit there. That's uh, it's fine. Yeah, it'll be good. I peaked in high Turn school. Turn the volume down a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I peaked in high school. <laughs> All right. So this is a really popular thing that people, even my boy Maddie C from Village Church, has fallen prey to, and they use. Um, and I should have this uh, more readily available, but they use a prophet who prayed on behalf of a nation. Um, for their, the sins of their nation. Um, Jeremiah. You, Je- that's the only one I can think of. But yeah, look I, it up. You, you got it. Sorry. Thanks, Jamie. Mm-hmm. Um, to believe that you can actually inherit specific sins. And the argument is, is we're very quick to accept that we take on the, the sin from Adam, but not quick to accept that we have slave ancestors and that's not our fault. Or that is our fault. 
So I, I so But quick, again, again, it's also only implying that one race has a history of sin. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so what do we like? It's such a it's such a closed minded um, That's an American American way to look at things. <laughs> Which is the funny like, part. I mean, what about what about Christian Japanese? Who enslaved Filipinos for like you know it's like mm-hmm. what like you know like you, we can do this all day and just go through people who have enslaved other people. Um, well, even just just a, just a small thing that I was listening to that podcast with that girl from North Korea, and one yeah. of her things that she said was really striking to me was that when she escaped and got to South Korea, someone handed her a Bible, and they're the first people that were kind of kind to her and, and took her in. And when she was reading the Bible, she realized that North Korea. They took Jesus' name out and put Kim Jong Un's name in wherever Jesus' name was in the New yeah, Testament. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they have, um, you know, very openly um, persecuted Christians um, who were in South Korea. I'm sorry, North Korean Christians um, by. Um, you know, if they have a Bible that has anything other than Kim Jong Un's name in it, they w- would kill them. Um, now, do I think? That the great grandkids, I don't even know how to think of that through. But like, there's oppression in every culture, including North and South Korea, and all of them are specific to races, um, or I, I would say ethnicities, because I think that's true. What Ken was talking about, how Dr. Ken, uh, with like, yeah, it's really ethnicities we're, we're concerned about, right? That all of them have enslaved or hurt somebody, and none of them are held accountable except for the ones that they're specifically talking about in America and white. So here's the thing, the theological, like, fallacy is, is pretty apparent, like, right off the bat. <laughs> when we talk about inheriting the sin from Adam, we're talking about the initial sin that separated us from God, right? Right. In Genesis. Yeah. We had perfect union with God, mm-hmm. man, and the world. All three of those unions were broken. We have a broken world, broken relationships with man, and a broken relationship with God. That inheritance is sin at its core, the, the entryway of sin into the world, we inherited that curse. I'm not specifically inheriting anybody from the Bible's specific sin right, I didn't, on my shoulder. Like, right. I'm not like, oh. I'm not inheriting Cain's sin. For murdering. For murdering his brother. Yeah. Like that's, you know, it's like. <laughs> yeah, the only thing we inherit is the sin, sin nature. Just sin. The curse. The yeah. curse. Yeah. The separation from God. The separation from God. Right, exactly. Which is what we're, and what salvation is, regaining that unity with God. Yes, and so I I don't understand the connection that we're talking about here when we're at the same time. I can I can I can say that I've inherited the curse from Adam, and also that I don't carry the guilt of slave owning. I can say those two things at the same time. Are there other nuances I'm missing? I don't know. Like, I mean, do I have a certain amount of privilege because I have a color? Like, there are certain things you could say that you're you're you have certain privileges. You have like muted privileges you might not even know about. That's one thing. But to say the guilt of enslaving and murdering people of a different race, I need to carry that around with me because of who I am. That is such an anti-biblical message. I don't even know where to start with that. Anyway, so the, the inheriting comes from Jeremiah thirty-one and also thirty-two, but um, 
it's also mentioned in uh, Daniel 9. Daniel 9 pray Daniel 9. <laughs> Daniel prays on behalf of the people. That's what that's the reference. So that's the one the other one is Jeremiah 32 where he talks about uh, you you show steadfast love to thousands but repay the guilt of fathers and their children after them O great and mighty God whose name Lord host sorry wrong one. Uh, Jeremiah 31:29. In those days they shall no longer say the fathers have eaten sour grapes. And the children's teeth are set on the edge, but everyone shall die in their own iniquity. Each man eats the sour grapes. His teeth shall be set on the edge. Talking about, like, bearing the mm. burden of your fathers. So, But th- that's pretty specific. Very he's, specific. He's, he's prophesying about something. And talking about Israel, correct? I, I believe so. I, I do not quote me on this. No. I feel like I need to study this part a little bit more. Yeah. I believe he's talking about where they're crucifying Jesus and let his iniquity be upon us. And our children. I think okay. that's a little reference to that. Okay. I could be wrong, but. Yeah, so that is the sole verse that, because that's what was referenced by, what's the dude that always talks that sounds like he's about to cry and you can't stand listening Branch to him? Chan? No, no, no. Not him. <laughs> 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 I would have started with different different characteristics, like Chinese or something. Um, David, the guy who's like. Oh, 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 oh. David Platt. David Platt, yeah. yeah. So David Platt, he's the he's has a sermon on this that has been like, torn apart by other people like John MacArthur and Vody Bauckham and people who are against this thought process. But he basically says that we as Christians are born with the sin of our ancestors of slavery if you're white. And he cited that verse as his cause. And so he carries this extra burden around. But, okay, so but that, that that's my question. Is everybody carrying every sin a, of, that's all, what of their thinking. ancestors? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Only, so like there yeah. have been – Here's their argument. That they are, if they're still benefiting from the oppression. Oh well, that's that's so many people around the world. I'm just saying that's what they would say, right? Yeah, because my next argument would have been like the sins of the, the uh, paralyzed man. Was it because anything the parents mm-hmm. did wrong? And he said, no, it's nothing, nothing yeah. to do with the parents or anything they did, any sin in their life. Uh, yeah, it's a great great reference. But uh, if you're saying benefit, uh, yeah, I don't know. Is that John Nye? Yeah. Nice man. That's all I got. But um, um, yeah. I mean, dude, that's we think about that. We really think of slavery as if it is only a white thing. And granted, it, it was horrific, and it was a white thing here in our country. Mm-hmm. But there's so many countries around the world that have enslaved different people groups or, or their own people. Yeah, yeah their own. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, look at Rwanda and the Congo. You know, and it's like they just literally made up racial distinctions where there wasn't any, and and. Like, I just don't get the whole idea. Yeah. So I think that comes from the social pressure of society and culture and all the movements going around right now. And I don't need to name the movements, but movements that are focused on race and divisiveness and protest and on both sides of that issue. Um, And then back reading into the Bible, right? Like, how else are you going to say that Somebody carries the weight of their ancestors, and then you read the Bible, and then you see verses like Cole's talking about, where Jesus says you don't carry the weight of the, the sins from your ancestors. Um, this isn't anything that you did or your your parents. Um, and then they 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 see all this counter evidence, and then they have to come up with this like crappy systematic theology of Adam to now, and then just kind of chuck it out there, and hopefully nobody blinks twice and actually has read the Bible. You know. That's all that is. It's just trying to back read into the Bible what the culture is today. Oh, well, that's what that's yeah. That's what this whole entire theory is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah, a perfect yeah. example of it. Right. Right. 
Okay, last one. Okay. Can we hand Is your yeah. brain still I'm firing good. on Let's all go. cylinders? You going to listen to the first time I read this or the fourth? Yeah, first. Okay. Imagine if we pledged our allegiance to the poor and oppressed instead of the flag and the empire. Imagine and, if we pledged our allegiance to Jesus. Yeah, it's just... Yep. And... And by the empire, I'm assuming they mean... Star Wars. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... Imagine if we pledged to help the the physical needs of people instead of to a flag, and so so there's parts of this that I do agree with, mm-hmm. and there's parts of this that it's like again you're just writing this out there to like well, sow we, seeds of discord. But and but, we kind of covered this with Brian. Yeah, we did cover this. Like American Christian American nationalism is an issue, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I'm not well versed in every other country's, you know, patriots, but national nationalism to a country over Christ is an issue. Mm-hmm. Period. And it is an issue in a lot of mainstream churches today. Correct. And that's true. Our allegiance should be to the kingdom of heaven, and furthering that on earth inside of our political system should be our number one goal. I, the poor and oppressed, again, I would say, yes, the sin, the sinners, people who don't know Christ. So I pledge our allegiance to Jesus and to spread the gospel to the poor and oppressed by sin instead of furthering the kingdom on earth first. No? Can you just say that last part again? Sorry. I pledge our allegiance to Jesus and spreading the gospel to the poor, the oppressed by sin, instead of a certain political system or nation on earth. Just yeah. say, yeah, we'll move on. Yeah, 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 yeah I cool. agree. I did like to think, yeah. So, we should start our own. Like right. the... We already have an Instagram account, but like just one that posts the right version of everything. <laughs> and just comments on all of the posts. And yes. it's like. Yeah. And again, we could sit, sit back and throw stones all day at problems in the church. We really could. And right, I that's think, my whole, I don't get, that's what is the end goal? And, and I think like having those conversations is important and it's, I, it should not be our goal. But it is important to be. You hear a sermon and you something sounds off. Like talk about it with somebody, and yeah, then be you like realize the Bereans, like study yeah. in the Bible. Yeah, like you said, yeah. systematically how it applies, and apply it, not yeah. actually tear everything apart. And so we're, we're talking about all the wrong things with this ideology. But at the at the end of tonight, I'm going to try to offer the correct way to go through all of these things. So to deconstruct in a biblical way. So we'll talk about that at the end. So a little teaser, a little teaser. Right. So you got to stay till the end. Um, just going, we're going to go four hours, guys. Four hours. Hang in there. I'm about to, uh, about to blow your minds. Okay, so here are um, – all right, I'm going to go to my, my claims in a minute. But first, Romans 1, 21 through 22 describes this ideology perfectly. So if you consider yourself a deconstructionist, listen to what Paul is saying to you right now. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks – but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. So usually what you'll hear, now I'm going to break this down in a few ways, but what you'll hear from authors and people who subscribe to this ideology, what you'll hear them say is, I read this, I read this, I am w- more well-rehearsed in biblical inerrancy, I, I can shut you down, I have all of this knowledge, and that's why I've come to the conclusions I've come to, okay? So they come from a 
justification in ethos, meaning like credibility. I have all this information and I've come to a different conclusion and I have more information, so I'm smarter than you. That is one that I've heard. So professing to be wise, they became fools. Um, they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. So all of these things that we're talking about, throwing rocks at the Bible, throwing rocks at the culture, throwing rocks at the modern church, that's all speculation. And if you're going to take a verse out of context from the, where it was, if you take a verse out of the context of the culture it was written, that's called speculation. So you're taking a guess at what it is. And that's the foundation of this movement, right, is it's not what the writer meant. It's what the reader hears. Okay, so can I – call speculation. Yeah, while you're on this point, can I also read another one? Yeah. Th that, that is about this point, the speculation. Um, this is in Second Peter 3 – I'm going to read 14 to 16 when Peter's talking about how Paul writes a lot in his epistles. And sometimes it is hard to understand when you're not studying it systematically, when you're mm -hmm. not really taking time to understand what he means. Um, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. And consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of scriptures. Mm. Keywords, untaught and unstable. Mm. Keyer word, unstable. And taking things out of context. Correct. Twisting. Twisting, Manipulating, yeah. right? Twist to their own destruction. So what that is, is deciding openly in the, the core of the ideology that because bias tempts and taints, the only way to get meaning is from the reader, not from the writer. Correct. And, and then that we just, is crazy dangerous. Right. And then Peter continues to warn, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Um, so that's his warning at the end. Mm. Yeah, he's all about false teachers in Second Peter. Right. And the whole thing you've talked about, about the inerrancy, like they, they claim to be more... Well, well read, read well read mm -hmm. in the inerrancy of the scriptures. I mean, I don't know how far you back you want to go, but granted, the, the apostles were writing scripture as they were speaking. They were using all Old Testaments mm -hmm. to, to, pro to proclaim the fulfillment of prophecy in, in Jesus Christ and that he is the Messiah. They were using the Old Testament. And I, we can go, all the oldest thing we have is the, old, the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is verbatim. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how far back do you, do you know more than further back that's the you know so it's like we could use just the old testament to prove that jesus is the messiah mm. that's what they did so let's not even okay we won't even take the new testament let's just take the old testament you know more than things that we don't have you know we don't have anything older than the dead sea scrolls so and that's verbatim we just don't have esther mm -hmm. but so like i don't understand what like yeah what the whole logic is there yeah I mean, it really comes down to, in order to, to show that the Bible is errant, you have to believe that it's not inspired. And then where do you go from there? Because if it's inspired, then it's inerrant. Then you're calling God errant. Yeah, error. and there's no point in even talking about it. Right. And then the part that I think is also really important is they did not honor him as God. So what does it mean to honor God as God? 
is to revel in truth and to take his word for what it is. And so one of the things, one of the posts that I didn't, I didn't pick to talk about tonight, but one of the posts of one of the accounts that we were reading was, and this one got so many likes, was that the church um, treats it as if there's a, his word has connotations, but as a, as a foursome. And the, the foursome is the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the Bible. They're all part, of, they're not a trinity. There's four. And that's not true because the Bible is not God. And it doesn't hold the authority of God. And it's just the, that's the claim um, that we hold the Bible in too high regard. Now, I can say from my personal experience, every group I've ever met hasn't, besides our church that I go to, hasn't held the Bible in high enough regard. Um, that's the problem with our church today. We don't hold it in high enough regard. I mean, what do you know about God if you don't have it? If that's general revelation, which is that there is one. Wait a minute, just because I, I may have zoned out there for a second, um, that they don't think that the Bible is like on the same level as God? Like, just repeat that. They just, think that we're keeping it, we be, we equate the Bible with as a deity. God, as a oh, deity. too high. Like, Almost like as the fourth in like part John of the, 1, 1, where I am the in Word. In the beginning was the Word, and, and the yet, Word became flesh. Yep. Okay. Just making So I, like, we had this conversation when we talked about church idols. And and they, and they had the oh, Bible yeah, in there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, how church idolizes the Bible. But no, I would. But here's my thing. I, I would agree with that comment if we were like praying to the Bible. Yes. I have never been in any church that I've been to. I I never heard anybody pray. I've heard people pray to God. I've heard people pray to the Holy Spirit. I've heard people pray to Jesus. I have never heard a single person pray to the Bible. So what you're doing is. You're playing with semantics here. Because people hold it in a high regard, you're equating it that they hold it equal with God. We hold the Bible in regard in, this, in the way that the Bible tells us to hold it in regard, and we know that the Bible is inspired by God, so we listen to the way we're supposed to hold the word in regard. Yep. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, uh, we're, we're li- the Bible says that, the, like you said, John 1, the word became flesh. The Bible is equated with the nature of God. Not necessarily it has any deity in itself, but it is inerrant and it does tell us everything we need to know about salvation and everything it's like an instruction manual so right and that's what we we believe that the bible is god's word it's god speaking to yeah. us mm-hmm. so again questioning that is going back to the same thing did god really say mm-hmm. yeah yeah so there's the first deceit like yeah yeah you know so how do we honor him by acknowledging his word following his I'm going to say edicts, but following his instruction in the word of God. And as soon as we start diluting that, then we are not giving him honor. So deconstructionists don't honor him as God because they don't give him the honor that is found in his his word and following it. We don't might give thanks. Um, they're futile in speculations. They are foolish. Their heart is darkened, professing to be wise, they came fools. I can't think of a better description of deconstructionists. And again, I'm, these are blanket statements for people who subscribe to the actual true ideology. There could be people that like buy into some parts of it and not others. But I'm specifically thinking of these pastors and people who run these social media accounts, the damage they're doing because we have to have a podcast just to get to this core meaning of what you're trying to say. I mean, if, if I don't know, I, I, I don't think that if you're really trying to flip the world upside down, you should be a lot clearer about what you're trying to say. I shouldn't take three guys sitting around the Bible trying to figure out what you might be trying to say and give you the benefit of the doubt, you know? So I would say if you are a Christian and 
you are talking to someone who is and um a deconstructionist and maybe struggling with it with it or they see a post or they see like a YouTube video and they're like, wow, this is like an interesting idea. Encourage them to do this. Encourage them to deconstruct what they know about the world by reading the Bible. Read the Bible. Find out what it actually says. Study the culture in which it was written. Study um, the hermeneutics. Study the words and what it, the, the, the actual meaning of the words when it was said. The manuscript evidence, the early church. Sit under a pastor who actually teaches from the Word of God and let the Word, because that is what we have from God, shape the way you see the world and let it deconstruct what you know about the world and see it through a biblical lens. So if you're talking about a deconstructionist point of view, the only way I can see that making any sense is if you are deconstructing the world and culture you know through the lens of the Bible to see God moving in the world. It doesn't make sense to do it backwards, and I believe you are evil if you do it that way. Yeah, I mean, you're not, yeah. We're literally commanded to do it the other way, so. Yeah, so. I also, mean, I think they thrive on misinformation as opposed to, like, disinformation. Like, they're not, they're not blatant lies they're not saying the Bible says something that it doesn't. Yeah. They're not saying they're just it's it's all a bunch of little half truths, like shades, just shot out there, just planting little seeds of doubt, little seeds of discord, and because we've had like a hard time disagreeing with the the overarching statements that they're making. It's just how they're applying those statements and what what they're implying. Implications, the, yeah, yeah, the implications of this. But that is that is everything right now. That's not it's not unique to them. Yeah, politicians, people, they're, they're, people are making unique slogans and and things like that mm -hmm. so that if you just disagree with it you immediately sound uh, here's one we'll get canceled ready black lives matter i agree with those three words absolutely the bible tells me i wouldn't be a christian if i didn't but i don't subscribe to everything just like they said about politics or politicians or or mm -hmm. republican or democrat i don't subscribe to the whole entire thing because i think there's a lot of wrong in it mm -hmm. but do individual black lives matter absolutely but I'll never subscribe to the, the to the movement. Yeah, and but but now when you say you disagree with Black Lives Matter, it's like, well, which part? What, what I would ask like, what, which part am I disagreeing with? You know, like mm -hmm. like the movement. Yeah, the sentence. No, mm -hmm. and, and but if you say, if, but if you say you disagree with Black Lives Matter, that's you immediately that sentence immediately makes it sounds sounds like you're racist, and yeah. that's where these like these it's misinformation. It's these little half truths floating out floated out there, like, and what's happening to our society. So what happens when you just get away from the word yeah, and you devalue it and make it seem like it's less important than it is. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm saying. I, I, I don't know of a church that overvalues the Bible. Can I'm, you think of one? I'm, well, I'm really struggling to think of like what that would look like. I guess it would be the, the I guess I'm trying to sort of think it might be people um, that overemphasize the application they believe the Bible has today, which might be a political party but not overemphasizing what the Bible says. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't. Well, if you're overemphasizing emphasizing certain applications, yes. then aren't they guilty of doing the same exact thing? Yeah, which is what the church does today. I mean, there's plenty of evangelists that promote politicians more than Jesus. There's plenty, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but it's an insult and a slap in the face to the, you know, underground Chinese church that John Nally was talking about where they're huddling in a basement over one page of Bible that they were able to 
scrounge yeah. together. You know, what about the, what about the <laughs> just like the, the actual? I want to say a different word, but I'm going to use this one. The actual audacity it takes to talk about oppression in America when you're seeing what's happening in Afghanistan right yeah. now. Mm. Oh my God! It's like to to these people who talk like this, it's like you have never ever traveled, ever. I have been to so many places, and every single place that I have been has been more oppression than here. And the statement that I love that I know we've talked about before, and I don't even need to say who, who originated the statement, but point me towards evidentiary systematic oppression, and I will be there, and I will fight against it as a believer. I don't know where – nobody's pointing me anywhere that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If you want to point, point to places like North Korea, Afghanistan. If we really are the uni- like universal big C church, and we're talking about the worldwide Christians, mm-hmm. right? And we're we want to focus on the the most oppressed, which is the goal of these these movements, liberation theology. And, um, and that's point what I'm saying. Afghanistan. Nobody's talking about that. Well, right? That's what I'm saying. That's what that's what's confusing about the goal of the movement. Do you, for example, if uh, we live in this patriarchal society or whatever, it's like. Do you really have an issue, a fundamental issue with women being oppressed? Or are you just trying to sow discord right now and get followers and likes here in America? Because if you have a fundamental issue with women globally being oppressed, there's almost every other country more than here that you should be looking to and, and, and speaking out against. Mm-hmm. And we'd be right there with you. Just, just in general, oppression, oppression of women in general or, or whatever, any any. Well, one of the social media accounts' response to this whole Afghanistan thing, it was mind-blowing. It was, if, you, if you're if you a Christian and you think that American lives matter more than Afghanistani lives— Afghani. Afghani lives, then you're not a Christian at all. And Say that again? If you're a Christian and you believe that American lives matter more than Afghani lives, then you're not a Christian at all. Now, that's not true. You can be saved and be a Christian and be wrong about one thing. But two— if you are really fighting for the oppressed, your first instinct is to talk about people who might think that American lives matter more instead of the fact that children are being brutally raped right now into marriage mm-hmm. um, by the Taliban. I mean, they talk about they're forcing little kids into marriage. They're six, seven years old. That's mm-hmm. not what marriage is. <laughs> they're right. being, you know, brutalized. Um, women are now have to wear head coverings again. Um, they lost all the rights. They can't drive. I mean, if you want to talk about oppression. That shouldn't be – that's not the forefront of your oppression page mm-hmm. that these women are being – it's just it's just mind-blowing. And instead, we're going to say, you know, some people are upset because they're bringing a- Afghani um, – what's it called? Um, refugees. Refugees here. Um, I, I haven't heard of anybody complaining. I, I, I'm sure – I haven't heard of a single person complaining. None of that, but uh, Liz's family friends work with uh, – mm-hmm. prior to this, worked with Afghani refugees. That's the only so reference trying, I know, and they're helping. Right, and they're helping, and now she's talking to them. We're trying to organize something at our church to be able to help them out. I mean, I, they're not in our state, but you know, mm-hmm. to send money or do something we can to support it. So it's like, again, these blanket statements, this clickbait. It's like, cool, bro. Like, <laughs> you yeah. got a lot of people that like something that have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and, and if you're really for it, I mean, the, yeah, I would love I, to hear your like your answers yeah. to the problem. Like, you know, like, what yeah. are you doing, Joseph? What are you doing? How can we help you? Yeah, and if you're really but, fighting for the oppressed, I, I think your page would look different. Yeah, I mean, even just little things like my mind is blown. Like my wife and I were yeah. driving and listening to that North, the girl talk about North Korea, 
like so blind to what it was actually like. Like I saw the interview that movie with James Franco yeah. like ten years ago when it came yeah. out, yeah. and I thought it was just a joke. Like I didn't, I didn't take oh the time gosh, to research. Insane. Like I heard they had mines, the border, and stuff like that. But I mean, there's a lot of crazy places. So I was like, okay, maybe that's not that bad. And hearing them talk about that, it's like, oh my gosh, that yeah. is insane yeah. oppression. Um, I have no idea where to even start, but the the place. And it's, that's what I'm saying. It's all relative, and and. <laughs> You, you so you listened to the whole that whole interview, right? Yeah. Did she at one point complain about the oppression here in America? She actually ridiculed people for complaining exactly. about the oppression in America. Exactly. Because that's somebody who knows real oppression. Well, the problem that she had was she was uh, mugged by three um, African American women on the street in Chicago where she was living at the time mm-hmm. during um, the riots that happened from one of the police shootings. Okay. And um, they were rioting everywhere, and she was walking down the street, and they mugged her and took all her stuff. And so when she um, came out and talked about it, the fact that she identified the race of the muggers, they identified her as a like white supremacist, and she's North Korean. And so she got bashed by all these movements because she named the race of the people who mugged her, propitiating all of the stereotypes about that specific minority. And she was like laughing about it. She was like, I, I, I was mugged by people that look like the description I gave. I wasn't making a statement about all those people. Um, and the fact just happened to look like that, the people that mugged me. And right. then she was like, I came from a place where like, dude, she didn't even know what races were. I know. That's insane. Imagine that. Imagine she thinking only everybody. Yeah. Everything. I mean, she had everything that wasn't Asian. She had to learn what they were. But Yomi Park, right? Yomi name? Park. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it's like that. It's like some like, let's talk to people who come from these other countries who are actually like rushing to get here mm-hmm. and let, let's hear their testimonies about how, how oppressed they are in America. Like, mm-hmm. And that's not, I'm, I'm also not sitting here not saying that we don't have things that we got to fix. Or we, this, but it's like you're just you're just exposing what you're really trying to do with your this account mm. or whoever you are. You know, like <laughs> you're just exposing what you're trying to do by like you don't actually have solutions. You don't actually care. You just want to it's clickbait. Yeah, which is sad because. Someone with that amount of following, say you have 50,000, 100,000, 20,000, 2,200 followers. You know how, I mean, we're not, I'm just being quite honest, we're not near 20,000 people listening to our podcast. But I take very seriously what goes out. I, I mean, so do, we all do, mm-hmm. right? So, what, like, we, when we finish the podcast, we sit down and, you know, listen to it back and pray over it and listen for things that, you know, we want to make sure that it's coming out and representing God in the best way possible. Um, and we could have a lot more followers if we didn't do that, you know, oh, yeah. we could be a lot more controversial, be a lot less truthful and, and gather people up. But I couldn't with a good conscience sit there and be like, I'm giving missed, I'm giving half truths out for clickbait. Um, it'd be embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's with how, the followers that we have, you know, imagine having 20,000 and still committing to that same thing. Anyway. So, when we talk to Pat Toner, everything kept coming back to knowing the Bible, what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. That's what we're coming back to again. So, there's a couple buzzwords, guys, I want you to look out for. And as Christians, um, if you want a place to start, guys, and for how your heart should be prepared for looking um, looking out at the church today, read Second Peter. He really paints a picture for the heart you're supposed to have towards bad theology and how quickly you're supposed to oust it and how you are supposed to cling to the word and the true gospel in the midst of that. 
or P- Peter, we learned about Peter and Second Peter. That was the, those were his dying words. He knew that he was going to be um, executed soon, and the last thing he said was, "Cling to good doctrine." And then you find a movement that's saying, "Flee from good doctrine," oh, which implies that there's right and wrong doctrine. Yeah, it doesn't imply that it's all for anybody's interpretation. It's all subjective. Yeah, yeah. So Peter himself is saying there is good doctrine. Right. And so um, when you're looking out, um, use that mindset and, you know, cling to what, especially uh, you can read the Old Testament and find the same answers because God's the same. But New Testament is very clear and concise about what, what kind of doctrine you should be looking for. Cling to the word. Um, a couple of things you want to look out for and be aware of are, are words like liberation theology and deconstructionism. I've been I've seen pastors I've kind of followed for years, read their books. Um, watch their YouTube videos, and I start hearing these words, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and then I start to see that they're, they're associating with this pastor, and this pastor went to this conference, and they're starting to fall and be led astray. And we're told that it's going to happen. People are going to be led astray. Uh, but it's our job to know the word and stay true. What's the, uh, what's the verse? Uh, want, wanting etching ears, wanting... Oh, man. Oh, I know exactly mm. what you're talking about. Wanting... Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good verse. That was actually quoted for... Was uh, it? Uh, um, Arguing against deconstructionism because they yeah, say that I can't, you know I can't think of the the oh man I'm so bad with references <laughs> but uh, uh they'll gather uh, preachers uh, for, the, for the time will come when they will not endorse sound doctrine but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables you have been encountered <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Itching ears. Okay. One of these days, we're going to end the episode. No, we're like, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So that is, uh, I guess, the the summary of that. So what we pl- I'd like to do is is whenever uh, – so <laughs> there'll be times when I'll take, like, screenshots or I'll find a clip that, like, just makes me mad because of, of how ignorant it is and how non-biblical it is. And then as soon as I see – as soon as I see how many people are commenting and, like, I agree, I just want to, like – I want to talk about it, and uh, I, I lead a Bible study, and sometimes we bring up some of these ideas, and we we work through them and, and go back to the Bible for them, um, but what I would like to do is every time that happens, it's like maybe take 10 minutes at the end of an episode just to bring up one of these posts and bring up one of these clips and talk about it and make sure that we're correcting um, and calling these things out what they are, um, evil, and and making sure we're on the right path. So uh, what, what, what did we come up with the name for that segment? Cle- oh, Cleansing the Temple. So yeah, yeah, we're yeah, about yeah, to kick yeah. over some tables, um, and uh, not the one where my Mac's on, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll work through and make sure that we're looking at the culture, and, and specifically the Christian culture, even if we're talking about major pastors who are Christian nationalists, we're talking about deconstructionists, but um, correcting mainstream or even sidestream uh, Christianity today in culture and making sure it's biblical. So if you want to hear us critique you know, other Christians. We're gonna be doing that, hopefully, um, every, couple, every couple of weeks in love, um, with with the Bible, nothing else. With the Bible. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next week. We sincerely thank you for listening to this week's episode of Encounter. On this podcast, our goal is to encounter Christ, culture, and each other, and specifically in the each other part. In our real conversations that sometimes span two to three hours, you may hear an opinion that you disagree with. First, please know that Scripture is our ultimate authority and that the Word of God is the ultimate test of objective truth. Second, know that we are all part of the body of Christ and we are constantly learning and growing as well and would love to hear from you if you think differently on a topic. 
You can do so by DMing us on Instagram. If you have been blessed by this podcast at all, please subscribe, like, and share it.